All right, so today we are practicing change, just a little bit, just a, a little bit of change with maybe who you're sitting around or sitting with, uh, just because a little yellow uh, caution tape. Um, first service, uh, Jim Bodmer said, you know, next time you do this, I can get you some blue police tape, and that's really cool. All right. And, uh, and I hope that when you did, when you saw that, as you read it, I hope that a number of you, you read this and you reacted negatively to it. Because if you didn't, then it's a waste of time. There's no fun doing it if everybody just smiled and was happy. Because I want in this little exercise just to engage with you, to get in touch with, well, what is it within you that resists change? You know, and why? Now, what, what are the, the, the fears? What's the discomfort that it causes when you, you come in and say, what, you mean I may not be able to sit where I want to sit or, or where I usually sit? And, and as that reveals to us even deeper levels in more significant areas of change that God would be leading us into, that we resist Him. I... Uh, called from the Harvard Business Review um, a couple, uh, a number of reasons why uh, they've observed that we resist change as uh, human beings. Uh, I know a few of you would be asking me afterwards, what were those? And I thought, well, you know, let me just go ahead and write them up there for you. One is unwelcome surprises. Some of us, plain and simple, just don't like surprises. We don't like the uncertainty that it brings, the jarring experience. We'd, we'd much rather you know, just hang with the devil we know than possibly go to the devil we don't know. We just don't like to move into things that we weren't planning on or that we weren't prepared for. It's just uncomfortable. We also experience a loss of control. No, you don't get to sit exactly where you wanted to sit. It's not your, your choice. And there's just a few things in this life that we have control over. And I maybe just took one from you today. And we just, push comes to shove, we are fiercely independent. We just don't like being told what we can and can't do. Change also can make everything different. I mean, if I change where you sit, then that's going to change what you see. It's going to change how you hear, and it's going to change possibly who you're sitting next to. And so one change just leads to another. Another makes everything different. Now, I'm not sure how this one fits for us today, a risk of failure. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you could probably sit down in the other seat. They're not different than the other. I mean, there's a little bit of a sense of a risk of failure for me. I mean, y'all could have I asked the ushers, you know, did anybody, you know, read that and leave? You know, did they harumph? And so far, you know, nobody did that I know of. Now, I had a couple of you in both services. Are we planning to do this every Sunday? <laughs> right? You know, is this just an exercise for today? Um, but uh, it could have been failure. Yeah. Uh, but certainly as we apply that to other changes that we make, as we change jobs, as, as we change denominational affiliations, there's a risk of, of failure. There's a risk that, that, that the things that we're possibly changing in our lives, whatever it might be, might result in, in failure. 
So there's a risk. We don't, we don't like going out on the limb that change can bring. Another is, is like it, but embarrassment. It simply can bring something that is embarrassing to us. I mean, you could have to change seats and you end up sitting next to somebody that you know you know you're supposed to remember their name and you don't. And it's just embarrassing. Another is it's more work. I mean, you usually maybe you sat back there and you got here late. Too bad on you. That's not my fault. That's yours. You got to own that one. But you, you came in late and you couldn't find a seat anywhere else. You had to walk all the way to the other side of the sanctuary. It was certainly for me as I'm thinking uh, this early this week, saying, oh, maybe we should do this for the change. I'm like, oh, you know, there's a whole bunch of risk of failure, embarrassment, or it could, you know, it's going to be more work. Because now I've got to sit down and say, all right, what are we going to say? And then I'm going to create more work for other people. So they naturally oppose it as well. No, bad idea. Don't do it. That means we've got to write something else up. We've got to come up with something else. Actually, nobody else did that, just me. Everybody else was excited about it. That was a good idea as long as I was the one up here talking about it. But change means more work. That's why a lot of people, both the fear of failure and the more work are why most people really don't carry out what their, you know, their, uh, um, the, the, their, their goals. They don't even start them. They don't even start them because, you know, it's just it's going to be more work to change this habit. It's, you know, I'm probably going to fail, so why even start to, to address this addiction? Another one is uh, past resentments. This was a, a fun one here because I don't know how many people have told me, oh, do you remember zip code day? Uh, a, a few of you nod and laugh knowingly because there was some day, this is before my time, that some um, person lacking good judgment was up here saying, you need to sit somewhere different. And, uh, and they said, sitting out by uh, zip codes. And uh, how many people... Say, oh, I remember that day. It was not a happy day. Well, doing this change here brings up past resentments, past problems, past failure. It brings up those that it just, for some, it just raised the anxiety a notch just to say, well, what if we roped off some seats and had people sit in a different place? Changing can bring those past resentments up. And then, and then finally, the fear of ripple effects. It, you know, or otherwise called the slippery slope. You know, if I change this, then the next thing, I mean, if we let him change where we're going to sit, what's he going to change next week? <laughs> you know, what, what, what happens? You know, you give him an inch, he takes a mile. You know, it's just those, that, that slippery slope. So you don't, just don't even start. You might be saying, you know, that's a really good list. That's a great sermon on why we shouldn't change because of all these reasons of, of resisting. Those make a lot of sense, so let's not change, and we'll avoid all of that. The only problem is the only thing I know that's not changing are those things that are totally dead, like rocks. To be living, to be alive, is to change. Uh, one story uh, that, uh, of change that is, um, maybe some of you have heard as to, to why we change and when we don't, we, we die, is uh, this little yellow box right here. 
Some of you, it has Kodak written on it. Yeah, and, and some of you know this. Is, some of you are like, what is Kodak? You know, what, what is that? And, and, and some of you will be like, Kodak, oh yeah, you remember these little canisters right here? I actually had this in the basement of my house, in the craft room, and I actually had to open it. I mean, it was still glued shut. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, I bought it long before I moved here. Um, but this, and then inside it, some of y'all are still like, well, what is that? Inside it right here is what you call film. Yeah. <laughs> film belongs in museums. <laughs> and, and used to be, you know, to tell you that Kodak really was about, remember, you used to call those perfect picture opportunity, what? Kodak. Man, you guys are on it. <clears throat> and you know, there was a day in the history of Kodak when they said to one another in the leadership, you know, that stuff called digital camera stuff, we don't need to get into that. Yeah, and it was, uh, because now I don't know how many of us can just sit right here and can take a picture. Uh, one, yeah, smile, there you go, I got it, I'll, I'll send that to mama. <laughs> and there's no film anywhere. And, and Kodak is a, a shell of the company that it used to be. And actually, uh, Bob Fall, if you ask him, his brother worked for Kodak in that day. And his brother, I think recently deceased, um, is, uh, would, would tell of that story. But that's what happened when they let the reasons to resist change impact their decisions. And the, the church, as an institution, and individual people, as well, can have the same thing happen. If we resist the change that God is leading us into. And if you look at all of Scripture from the beginning to the end, almost every time that God intersects somebody's life or a people's life, it brings change. Passage today is in Luke in Luke chapter 5, and it's a time when Jesus was interacting with the religious leaders of his day, um, often called Pharisees or Sadducees, and, and, and often yeah, a, a friend, who, who, uh, a, a friend in, in ministry who says, you know, every time Jesus went to church, a fight would break out. Every time Jesus went to church, they would get into an argument. That ought to tell us something as well, is our propensity as humans to resist change and get stuck in habits that maybe one time worked that don't no longer work today. The passage again is in Luke chapter 5, starting with verse 33, and we'll uh, then move into uh, Luke um, chapter uh, 6 as, as well. Let's uh, pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for your written word that speaks to us. Thank you for your spirit who is alive within us. And we ask now that the two would come together in us as a community and in us individually, that we would better hear you and follow. Continue to reveal to us the things that are within us that oppose you. And help us set them aside. And then, as we've been singing, to truly give our lives, give our heart, give our whole selves unto you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, it's uh, 8.37 on your pew Bible if you want to follow along there or you can follow along on the screen or whatever 
other digital form, you might have the scriptures. Hear the word of the Lord. Then they, the the religious leaders of the day, said to him, said to Jesus, uh, John's disciples, like the disciples of the Pharisees, frequently fast and pray, but your disciples eat and drink. Jesus said to them, you cannot make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them, can you? The days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and sews it on an old garment. Otherwise, the new will be torn, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, desires new wine, but says, The old is good. One Sabbath, while Jesus was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked some heads of grain, rubbed them in their hands, and ate them. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered, Have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so the the basic scene with the the Pharisees encountering Jesus, confronting Jesus. And and, uh, the first thing is saying, you know, how come your guys don't do it like our guys? I mean, even John's guys do it the the way they're supposed to do it. And you guys, they're not fasting and eating. And Jesus says, well, that's because the purpose of fasting, the purpose of fasting and praying is to encounter God. And I'm right here. You don't need to fast and pray. Go ahead, eat. Enjoy, because I'm right. There'll be plenty of time to do that later. Don't get stuck in the forms and forget the function. The purpose is to walk with me, to walk with God. And if the forms aren't doing that, then stop doing them. And if they are working, then keep doing them. And he tells them a couple of parables. He says, you know, if you, if you got a, a garment and it's, a, it's old and it gets a hole in it, you don't get a new piece of cloth and put it on the old because in those days it didn't pre-shrink stuff, you know, and so the new stuff would have to shrink. The new stuff, you know, old stuff gets faded and the new, the new stuff would look um, new and then it would shrink, it would rip, it would look different. That, that wouldn't work. And, and the same with the wine skins and the wine. New wine is unfermented wine. And that, that wine has to give off gas. You know, and it needs place to expand. And, and so if you put it in the old brittle leather case, then what's going to happen is it's going to expand and it's going to bust and you're going to lose both the, the, the leather case and you're also going to lose the wine. You've got to put the new wine in, into new wine skins. The thing that God is, is doing new in our day has to take on a new form. Still the same God, still the same truth and pursuit of God, but there are new ways that God is doing things in our lives and in our world, and we've got to get on board with what God is doing. And that last statement there, he's he's making a negative statement because the problem is, once you drink old wine, you just say, oh, this is good enough. And that can happen to the church. Hey, I'm in. I'm happy. Okay, good. Now, don't change anything. 
And you, you need to know that that's in the negative context. Well, I read the rest of the beginning of Luke 6 where he talks about the, the bread of the presence with David and how the Jesus um, disciples, they, they were catching flack uh, for getting grain and rubbing in their hands because that was considered work. And, and Jesus tells them even a, a story from David's day. and says, well, look, look at what David did. And he, he did what, according to the rules, you weren't supposed to do. But God said, that's, that's okay. It applies today because I'm God in your midst. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus says. When God enters, intersects our lives and the lives of the, the church, He brings about change. Because our natural human tendency is to resist change, is to get stuck in old habits and to focus our attention on the habits and the traditions instead of the God that we want to be engaging with. And if we are walking with God, God's going to continually be moving in our lives because we aren't all that God created us to be. I'm not, and you're not. So change is a part of being alive in God. I mean, think about it. If you're familiar with some of the biblical stories, I mean, when God intersected Abraham, God intersected Moses' life, Deborah's life, Esther's life. Again, Jesus with the Pharisees, the, the Holy Spirit with the first century church in Acts 1 and 2. I mean, it was always at work pushing God's people out of their ruts into the new ways of following Him and sharing Him with others outside the group. Mentioned it last week in Acts chapter 2. This is, the, this is our opening, this is our birth story as the church. You know, that the Spirit came upon God's people, breaking them loose from being in the upper room, sending them out into the world so that they would speak the language of the world. Didn't keep them in the comfortable confines of the upper room, giving them wonderful spiritual experiences, but exploded them out into the world. That is the work of God in our midst today. Now remember, God doesn't change. God's truth doesn't change. But God intersecting us causes us to change. The, the, the love of Jesus that, that came to die for, for all humans is, is that love that is within us. Who, who wants more and more people to experience His love, to, to know His grace and mercy, wants them to, to be set free. It's that Spirit of God within us. If that Spirit is alive, and if we're listening, then He's always going to be pushing us. Always going to be pushing the boundaries outward, further and further, to engage the world around us with His love and His grace. And we have got to get on board with a creative, innovative God. We've got to. We've got to continue to, to tear down the walls that the evil one builds between those that don't know Him and Him. We've got to tear down the walls between us and them so that we who've been given the responsibility of being witnesses to the love of Jesus, those walls between us and those outside the church have to be torn down. 
and they're not being. In our nation, the fastest growing religious group is unaffiliated. Yeah, the, 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 those that say, you know, I'm, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. You know, the, the existing church just doesn't do it for me. Well, man, that's like prime market for the church, right? I mean, they're, they're, you don't have to argue with them about the existence of something beyond what they see, feel, and touch. They, they know there, there's a higher being at work. They know there's the God. They know there's something they're longing for, that God-shaped vacuum within them. They're, they're in touch with that. And yet they say, but the church, yeah, it's not there. Well, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. How are we like the Pharisees in Jesus' day? I mean, just, to, just that awareness, shouldn't that be one that says, man, we're, that ought to cause us pain. Because that's part of what we're about, is sharing Jesus with those that don't know him. You know, and the same thing with the church at large, it continues to age. And we as a church are no different. Our, our mean age of membership, if you look at the membership, the mean age is about 62. It means half the members of the church are over 62, half are less than 62. And so if there is no change besides just the natural aging in 10 years, median age will probably be around 72. And you can sort of figure out where, where that leads. Not a rocket scientist to figure out that trajectory. The, the, the new denomination that we're seeking to affiliate with, the ECO, the Covenant Order of Evangelical Presbyterians, has already set a goal for itself. Set a goal for all the churches that want to be about it. And in five years, five years, we want the, the, the church, every church and the denomination as a whole, to be doing more baptisms than funerals. So that, that means two, there's two prongs to that. One, get really healthy, eat well. And how do we need to change and follow the way of the Spirit who we know the Spirit's desire is to reach out to those that don't know Him? How do we get on board with that? In talking with folks that are further down the journey in terms of how existing churches connect with the world and with the love of Jesus... What, what those uh, folks are saying, what needs to happen is that existing churches need to develop worship, alternative worshiping communities. Smaller groups that, that may meet in alternative places in alternative times. It may, may mean that it's a Saturday night or even a, a weeknight or even a Saturday morning. Maybe in homes they'll meet or maybe at the rec center or maybe at, even at Marty's Hops and Vines, they'll meet. Yeah, I already got one, one person, already ready to go to that one. Huh? Now, I want you to just hang with me right now. Just stop right now thinking. Some of you said I did that a long time ago. Um, it's highly overrated. Um, and just think right now, I, some of the things that I just said, what were the resistances that popped up? Somebody already, not no resistance. They're, they're one of the 2% who are the innovators. You know? but what, what were the things that resist? You know, a lot of times you look at that and you, you, you hear that and, and you say, well, wait, what? What's he talking about? You know, what, what does, does that mean that I'm gonna, we're no longer going to meet here anymore? We're going to meet down at Marty's? We won't all fit. You know, we automatically come up with all the things to resist and we put ourselves in it and say, this is a failure, colossal, and to totally avoid 
even talking about it. Yet, just get in touch. What were the things that came within you that to put up resistance? And if there aren't any, then you want to stop and say, okay, if he's serious about that, and this is what the Spirit is doing, then maybe you're one of the two or three people that need to be pioneers as we pursue different ways of engaging the world with the good news. But most of us, statistics say, 85% of us or so will have an initial resistance to, to doing things like having alternative worshiping communities in, in different places, trying different things to engage the world that doesn't know Jesus because knowing, see, seeing the numbers, seeing what happens in the church, knowing that what we've been doing and even what we are doing isn't working. That ought to be a sign right there. Okay, God, we, we know that's not your desire. So how do we get on board with what you're doing to bring about the changes necessary for us to follow you, carry out your purposes, to reach out with the love of Jesus, to, to follow it and grow in it in our own lives as well? couple exercises for you this week. Just we, we did this exercise in here of changing um, seats. You know, for a number of you, if you're here for the first time, uh, that didn't mean anything. Well, it meant a whole lot I mean, just to walk in here because that was change. This is your first time to be with us. But for others, it did cause that change and a good exercise of engaging. How do I resist or what are the ways I resist? I encourage you to do this week, and maybe for a while here. You know, try different exercises of practicing change. Maybe it's eating something that you don't normally eat. Maybe even trying something that you didn't like. Trying it again. Maybe it's getting, uh, listening to a radio station that you, you don't like. You know, it's music that's not of your flavor. Well, practice change. Just listen to that for a little bit, just as a way of getting in touch with what are the things that I don't like and, and why. Maybe it's being in conversation with someone that you're not normally in a conversation with. Maybe even somebody that has an area of interest and expertise that does not match yours. But they, they really have this interest and expertise, and you want to hang with them. You just want to sit and talk with them and listen with them to practice change. It's absolutely necessary for the church, Jesus Christ, to practice change and get really good at it. Because it's the, it's the way God leads and guides us. An unchanging God with an unchanging message is regularly changing the methods in order to best engage the world. Because it's God's heart to engage and reach and to love every one of His creation. And we have been given that wonderful privilege. And so we don't want to be stuck in unchanging forms that the world and God pass us by. We've got to practice and be ready and open and be in tune 
with the ways that we can resist the change that God would lead us into. Amen.